0: Being saved, we can see bondage broken, and we'll see even in scripture the weather will be changed when people pray against it. And you'll even see the dead being raised. All because someone was bold enough to pray for that. I believe that prayer is our most effective weapon and the spiritual warfare that all Christians are engaged in. It's one of our weapons. It's how we it's how we fight back. And there is power in prayer. So let's go ahead and take a look at that this morning. The first scripture we're going to look at is James five thirteen through 18 It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, your, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And it goes on to say, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Prayer. Prayer is the answer for everything. Anything that you're dealing with in your life. He says, you know what, if you're suffering, then pray. If anyone's cheerful, sing praises. Singing praises is just another form of prayer. He says, if anyone is sick, call on the elders to lay hands on them, and they will pray for them. Prayer is the answer to everything in our lives. And James isn't just saying, this is a good idea. This is just what Christians do. No, it's because something will happen when we have, are bold enough to have faith in what God has for us. When we, when we pray for the sick, we lay hands on them. We don't do it because it's some ritual. We do it because we believe that God is going to heal them. We believe that God is going to do an amazing work. Someone's suffering, we pray because we believe that God will pull them out of that. He says the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. We pray because we trust God and we believe that he's going to work. And then he goes on to say, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That amazes me. Because the first thing that you might be thinking is, man, am I really a righteous man? Who in here is righteous? Well, I should see, if you're saved, you're righteous. if If you're looking at what you've done in your life, then you're looking at the wrong thing. Your righteousness has nothing to do with what you've done. But everything to do with what Christ has done. If you are saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. Amen. Amen. And it says, the effective prayer of a righteous man or woman can accomplish much. That's talking about you. Your prayer can accomplish much. And it goes on to say that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Our our first instinct is to say, man, Elijah, he was one of the, the prophets, he was a man of God, he was powerful. I'm not like Elijah, but it says right there, he was a man with a nature like ours. He was just like us, and he did incredible things. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. How many of you would like to have that kind of power? Hey, I got a newsflash for you. You do. Elijah was just like you. You have that kind of power when you pray. If you will trust God when you pray, that's what you have inside of you. Because it has nothing to do with you. Thank God for that. If it had anything to do with me, we'd all be in a mess. But it has everything to do with the power of God inside of you. There's a story here. It says, during his pastoral ministry, Augustine came to know a woman in Carthage named Innocentia, a devout woman and highly regarded, and she tragically discovered that she had breast cancer. And a physician told her the disease was incurable. She could opt for amputation and possibly prolong her life a little. Or she could follow the advice of Hippocrates and do nothing. Either way, death would not be put off for long. And Augustine reports, dismayed by this diagnosis, she turned for help to God alone in prayer. And in a dream, Innocentia was told to wait at the baptistry for the first woman who came out after being baptized, and to ask this woman to make the sign of the cross over her cancerous breasts. And Innocentia did as she was told, and she was completely cured. And when she told her doctor what had happened, he responded with a contentious tone, I thought you would reveal some great mystery to me. And he says, then seeing her horrified look, he backpedaled saying, what great thing was it for Christ to heal a cancer? He raised the man who had been dead for four days. That's the attitude that I want to have. That's the kind of mental attitude I want to have about with prayer. It's funny. I don't know. When I pray for stuff in my life, it's like every single time, I'm amazed that God would do such a wonderful thing. And then I'm like, why am I amazed? This should be what. This should be the norm. This should be what I expect. You know, God healing something. Like you said, healed cancer. What's that to God? He raised a man that had been dead for four days. There is power in your prayer. And like I said, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Your prayers can accomplish much. Amen? We also need to be praying for deliverance. When you pray, you can have deliverance in your life. In Psalms 107, 17 through 20, it says, Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their inequities, suffered affliction. And they loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And then again in Psalm thirty-four seventeen through 19, it says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Prayer is what can deliver you from some of the circumstances that you're facing today. Like like we read just a second ago, is any of you among you suffering? Then you must pray. And when you do, God hears you. If you're struggling, talk to God about it. Ask to be delivered. Thank Him for delivering you. When we cry out to God, He hears us. The scripture says that we can have confidence that he hears us and we know that we have the things that we ask for. God hears. He, he wants to know what you have to say. And I do want to be clear. This, this may not be instant. You know, that's one of the biggest struggles that we all face As we live in this microwave generation. You know, we were, we were watching. Do you guys know it was just Back to the Future Day just a few days ago? You know, when the one thing they had was that d- rehydrated food. They put that little tiny disc in. It popped out a pizza. That's what we're all looking for. I mean, the microwave's not even fast enough. Who wants to wait two minutes for a burrito? We want to hit a button and it'll be done. That's what we're looking for. And that's the problem I think that we have in, in our Christian walk sometimes, too, is, is, is we pray for something and, and, and it doesn't happen instantly. I'm like, oh, God must not be listening to me. Oh, God's ignoring me. The scripture here doesn't say... Say that they cried out to the Lord in trouble and he delivered from them their distress instantly. But it says he did deliver them. It doesn't say that the Lord delivers them out of them all immediately, but he says he does deliver them. Matter of fact, it says the afflictions are many of the righteous. The righteous have many afflictions, but the Lord will deliver you from them. If you guys remember in, in Hebrews 6:12 it says that by faith and what? Patience we inherit the promises of God. Sometimes we just got to be patient. We can't dig up that root immediately just because we don't see anything growing. I remember when I was a kid, we used to, I used to uh, have this little plastic container and I used to love planting popcorn seeds. Because my mom would buy the bags of popcorn, you know, before you had to do it instantly, you know, you had to cook it on the stove and a little bit of oil and it would pop. So we had actual popcorn seeds. And, uh, I would sneak a few every now and then, and I would plant them in a bucket of dirt, because I loved going out there and watching, In just a day or two, the corn began to sprout out. It never lasted much longer than that, but I loved to watch it come out of the ground. And, but I remember the first time I was doing that, you get, if it doesn't happen right away, you know, you plant it, you come out the next morning, if there's nothing there, you're like, wait a minute, did I get a dead one? Is something not happening? And there were many times that I would dig in the dirt and find that it was sprouting, it just hadn't broke through the surface. But when I went to try to put it back, I ultimately killed that seed. It never was right again. And so many times as Christians, we're just like that. We begin to pray for something. God is beginning to do a work, and it doesn't happen instantly. So we, we give up. We go and dig up our seed. You say, Pastor, I was, I was trusting God for healing, and it didn't happen. How long were you trusting him? All day. I prayed this morning, and it still hasn't happened yet. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And something as an aside, too, when I read this, sometimes God is hoping that you'll exercise your own authority in him instead of crying out instantly. You guys remember in in, uh, the book of Mark when Jesus was on the boat and the storm was coming in, and he was sound asleep down below, and the storm's coming through, and the disciples, they got all scared. And, then, and these, these guys knew what a storm was. They were fishermen. I mean, this was a big storm. They, they weren't freaking out for nothing. So a storm's coming in, and it's threatening to capsize their boat, so they run downstairs, and they say, Jesus, wake up. What are you doing sleeping? Can't you see that we're about to perish? So Jesus gets up, and he, he rebukes the storm, and then what's he do next? He rebukes the disciples. Sometimes God wants you to stand up, and rebuke the storm on your own. Now, if you've been here a while, you've heard me say it. It's a, it's a saying that I, that I stole from my pastor. And it's, it's an incredible saying. But sometimes we need to stop telling God about our problems, but instead start telling our problems about our God. Amen? And God's looking for you to stand in your authority. Now, I want you to know that when this happened, Jesus didn't tell them to, to deal with it on their own. Jesus still took care of it, right? He took care of the storm. You know, if you cry out to God because you're going through a situation, I believe that God's going to hear and he's still going to take care of it. But I think there's going to come a point when he's like, come on, Wayne, you could have done that yourself. You could have spoke to that mountain. and You could have spoke to that storm. But either way, if you will trust God and you will pray in a, a faithful prayer, God will deliver you one way or the other. Amen? Amen. We also need to be praying for strength. How many of you guys need strength? I need strength in my life. There's all kinds of stuff in my life that I can't do on my own. I just, God, can you handle this for me? Because I'm not getting it done. But in Luke 21, 34 through 36, he says, Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and the day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We need strength. It's so easy to be weighted down by the, the, the cares of the world, the, the stuff that's coming. against You can't watch the news today and not just see the persecution happening against Christians in the, in the faith in this country, let alone in other countries where we just have a, a, a bad time and we're like, man, they're going to let two gay guys marry. And people in other countries, they're getting killed. They're dying for their faith. But either way, you can't watch the news and know that there's a serious weight of oppression coming against us. And we need strength to withstand that. And the signs of the times are upon us. You can see our world is falling apart. And it's affecting Christians and non Christians alike. I mean, how, if you think about it, how many more storms and natural disasters have we seen happen in the past few years that haven't been happening this whole time? I mean, the, the world is literally falling apart. And we need to be strong. In these times, we're not to be caught off guard or be distracted. Basically, what he's saying is here, be on guard, is what he's saying is, hey, don't pray for strength when you're in the thick of it. Why don't you start praying for it now so you'd be worked up and ready for it when it comes? We need to be on guard. We need to be ready. We need strength in our lives because let's face it, we're going through some garbage in this world. He says, pray that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place to stand before the son of man you know the truth is is that we need strength to continue in the faith it would be very easy to walk away to be pushed down but instead that effective prayer of a righteous man yeah you can pray for strength and you will have it you will be able to make it through these days that are coming and let's be honest it's probably not going to get any better it's probably just going to keep on getting worse But we just got to keep praying for strength and stand against it, knowing that we're going to make it through to the other side. I also think when I read stuff like this and I see, the world, we need to be praying for the lost as well, that they would make it through all this so that they would have the opportunity to receive Christ. Because we all know that if something were to happen, if they're caught up in a natural disaster, if they're killed by somebody, if they're they're dealt with, it's too late at that point but they need to hear the gospel. Let's pray that the world would would have strength too, that they would would remain around long enough that we could minister to them, that they would have the same light inside of them that we have inside of us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Second Corinthians twelve, nine through ten says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, and I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, this is piggybacking off the, the one we just read to to pray for strength. This is this is Paul here praying. And just as a side note, when I am weak, then I am strong. You know that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he says, for I am weak, then he is strong. That's, this is this verse I think they're quoting, and I think they got it wrong. It doesn't say, I am weak and he is strong. It says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Let me, let me, let's take a look at that. Our weaknesses is probably one of the greatest reasons that we cry out to God for help. I mean, if you're good at something, you're not really crying out to God because you figure, I got this. I can do it on my own. I spent much of my life doing that. And finally God said, all right, give it a shot. My world fell apart around me. And I'm like, all right, God, you win. Come back. But the truth is that in our weaknesses is when we cry out to God. One of the most powerful things about prayer is that it's a recognition is that we need God in our lives. Matter of fact, if you're a person that doesn't pray much, if you step back and think about it, that's really just being a little egotistical. Thinking that, hey, I can handle this on my own. I don't need God. The truth is that we should be relying on God in every aspect of our life at all times in our lives. Because we're no longer leaning on ourselves. We're leaning on Him, and that's when we find out that we actually are strong. See, Paul here is praying. He's he's dealing with some serious persecution. People are coming at him left and right. And he's he's saying, he's praying. He he says in the verses before this, "I, I prayed to God three times to remove this from me. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And the thing is, is Paul didn't throw a fit. He didn't grumble and say, oh, God must not really love me. He got it. He says, therefore, if that's the case, I'm going to boast in my... Weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because he recognized that in those weaknesses, he had to rely on God. And when he relied on God, he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. See, what's interesting about this is we just read a couple of verses ago that that God will deliver you whatever you pray for, right? And then we come over here and it says Paul prayed for deliverance and and God's like, no, I've already given you what you need. And our first thought is, wait a minute, Paul prayed for deliverance and he wasn't given deliverance. But the reality is, is that he was given deliverance, just not the deliverance that we wanted or we would have expected. We wanted the problem to go away. God gave him the strength to deal with the situation that he was in, which in and of itself is a deliverance. If you're strong enough to handle what you're going through, God is with you. God is getting you through those things. And I've seen this in my very own life as well, because one of the the greatest areas for me in the beginning was 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 for finances? Anybody ever have problems trusting God for finances in their life? I know I've had problems there, and to the point where, uh, the, you know, laying on table I filed for bankruptcy before uh, eight ten years ago. We we were a mess. We weren't trusting God. We were trying to do it on our own, and it turns out I'm not very good at it. So you know, we had to file for bankruptcy. I mean, our, all our bills were were behind. It, it was a mess. It definitely wasn't a godly way of living. And finally, I just had to, we had to begin trusting God and putting everything in Him and going, rent, tithe, I'm going to tithe because I trust God. And it's amazing when you'll do stuff like that, all of a sudden you have money for rent. God's math is different than our math. I can tell you that right now. But now if you look at my life, you would look on the outside and like, man, you know, he's really strong in that area of his life. He's at this point in my life. Now we have uh, my wife has a great job. I have a, a great job that's paying well. And one of these days I hope to be paid from this job, but it ain't it ain't there yet. But uh, I have you know, we're doing OK financially. You know, and that's that's obviously my ultimate goal is to go full time ministry. But the truth is, is God's taking care of me and my family. And we're able to be generous, we're able to, to give, we're able to do all these things. And you might say, man, Pastor Wayne, you got it all figured out. But I want to tell you what, it has nothing to do with me. That area of my life, I told you, I'm weak in that area of my life. But from the outside looking in, because I trusted in God, when I am weak, then I am strong. And that goes for every area of your life. Every area. I had a revelation of the day. Actually, while I was putting this together, is this isn't just the things you would think of, but what if you're struggling with some sort of sin or something like that? In that area of weakness, if you'll lean on God, that'll become an area of strength in your life. Matter of fact, something like that that is, is something that many people deal with, what if God turns that into a ministry? It used to be your weakness, but now you can minister to others because of the work that He's done in your life. And that's because... When we are weak and we rely on God, we speak to God about it, we trust in God, He will make us strong in that area. Amen? We also need to be praying for wellness in our life. And In Acts 9.40 it says, but Peter sent them all out and knelt down and praying and turned the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then it says in Acts twenty eight eight, and it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went to sin to see him. And after he had prayed, he laid hands on him and healed him. This is a couple areas. Actually, the first one, we're going to look at the scripture a couple times here. But this one right here is, is Peter rose tab- from the dead. She was dead. That's about as sick as you can get, right? And he prayed for her, and she rose. Same here. Uh, this guy, Publius, was laying in bed. Afflected with, with, with current recurrent fever and dysentery. I don't know if in the Oregon Trail, dysentery would kill you. You guys ever played that game, the Oregon Trail? Get halfway across, you have died from dysentery. That's a ser- some serious stuff. And Paul prayed for Publius. Or Publius, I don't know how you say that. Wouldn't it be easier if the people in the Old Testament had names like we had today and we could pronounce them? Or the Old Testament for reals, Right? Yeah, Peter's easy enough. Right. See, so you guys got me distracted. Where was I at? Mm. I'm not even on the right page in my notes. This is not going good. All right. <laughs> but the truth is, is that wellness in our bodies is something that we should be praying for. And the reality is, is that Christ died so that you could be made well. And by prayer, we grab hold of that promise. And when you pray for people, people can be made well. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm not Peter, I'm not Paul, I'm not an apostle. Let me read you this. Mark six seventeen through 18 says, These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents if they drink any deadly poison, and it will not hurt them, and they, lay hands, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Are you those who have believed? Amen. Then these signs will accompany you. You can lay hands on somebody and pray for them and they will get healed. It says that the, the, the prayer of faith will heal those. If you lay hands on somebody and you're believing God, you'd be amazed at what would happen. The problem is half of us don't even have the boldness to pray for somebody. Get over it. It's not your job to heal them. It's your job to pray for them. Let God heal them. Don't worry about it. And just trust God. Amen? Amen. We also need to pray to be effective. In Ephesians six eighteen through 20 it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. And in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. If you're one of them people that's afraid to lay hands on somebody... Pray for boldness. Pray for effectiveness in your ministry. You can make an impact on somebody's life if you'll just take the time and pray for them. It's funny, at work, there's a, there's a gal that, that knows I'm a pastor and, and she'll ask me to pray for her or something going on in her family. And, and, and when I, before I became a pastor and, and when I first started out, I was, people would ask me to pray and, and what do we say? Oh, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. And somewhere, uh, someone told me, you know what, stop ask, tell me you're praying for them. Just pray for him right then. So I started. She came up and asked me to pray right there in the middle of work. I'm like, let's pray right now. And we'll go ahead and pray. And I could tell she was a little uncomfortable. We did it anyway. And then she came up if, sometime later and did the same thing. And, and she asked me to pray for her. So like, let's pray right now. And she uncomfortably bowed her head. And she ain't ever asked me to pray for her again. So, but I think we should just be bold and pray for people right then and trust God that, that He will do something. But right here it says that, that, that we need to, to pray. That utterance be given to us in the opening of our mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. That, that's your job. Your, your primary job as a Christian is to share the gospel with others. And we need power. We need boldness to do those things. We need to be effective when we're doing those things. And he says, He says, Pray that proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, that's one of the things that I pray before I minister is that God would, God would give me the words to say, but even more important, that I pray that I would be effective. That's the scariest part, the scariest thing that I have about preaching. is I've, I've, gotten, up, I've gotten over the fact of, of standing in front of people and speaking. I'm, I'm okay with that now. But I still, you know what I'm afraid of when I preach? That I won't be effective. That I'll be up here like a, a noisy gong for 45 minutes or an hour and a half, probably what it'll be today, and, and I won't be effective <laughs> That's, that's what I'm worried about. I, I want to be effective. I pray that God would be, make me effective. I pray that you would be praying that for me, that I would be effective, as I pray for you guys to be effective. And you know what? When we pray those things, it happens. God will move in your life. And the truth is, is that we're at war. Church, we are at war. And praying for one another that we'd be effective is, is, is a way to take care of each other. Just like the, the Roman soldiers took care of one another when they went to war, they would check each other's equipment, they would make sure that everything was all right, they would have each other's back. That's what we should be doing as Christians, and prayer is one of those ways that we do those things. Amen? We also need to be praying for the harvest. And Colossians 4, 2-4 through 4, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And then in Romans 10.1 he says, Brethren, my heart desire and my prayer to God for the, for them is for their salvation. You know, Paul wants us to pray for the harvest. So we should have uh, the the same mind that Christ had for the lost. And we should have a desire for people to get saved. If you're just coming to church to be entertained on on Sunday morning, you've got it wrong. We're, We're not in the entertainment business. But we're in the business of telling people about Christ. We want them to get to know the same Jesus that I know. I know what he's done in my life, and I want that for everybody. That treasure that we have in earthen vessels. And, and Paul said, devote yourselves to prayer. And at the same time, pray for us that God will open up a door. Pray the doors would be open for this church, for the church down the street. We're not in competition with other churches, but we're working alongside with them. As long as they're a life-giving church, as long as they got the Jesus part right, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Obviously here, we're, we're, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues. We believe in healing. All of it. God can do amazing things. God's a powerful God. But there's other churches that don't believe in that stuff. I don't care if they're going to tell people about Jesus. Let's, let's get with them. Let's make a difference. Let's pray for their church. Let's pray for their ministries. Let's pray for, for their pastor's effective preaching. Amen? Amen? The truth is, is we're all one church. It's Christ's church. And we need to reach the city for the gospel. Amen. Yeah. And that was the, the, the cry of Paul's heart. He said that my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Matter of fact, Paul one time said that I would give up my salvation if all my Jewish brethren could be saved. That's a heavy statement right there. I look at that and, and I'll be honest, I'm not sure that I could say that. <laughs> But that was the cry of Paul. You know what, that's the the hard attitude I want, though. That's the attitude that Christ had. He gave up everything that we could be saved. And that's what we should be praying for. James 4, 2-3 says, "You, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Prayer is also the avenue that we make our requests known to God. If you need something, tell God about it. If, you, if you've been, been, been waiting for God to do something in your life and you never asked Him to do it, don't complain if He hasn't do it. If He hasn't done it, ask. You'll be amazed what God will do in your life if you'll just have the boldness to ask and trust Him to do those things. So many times we lack because we don't want to bother God. Oh, that's not that big of a deal. I really don't want to, to, to bother Him. You know, He's probably busy. A news newsflash, he, he can handle everything. He can handle what you, your requests. Or what about if you ever not asked for something small because you thought you might maybe run God out of resources? Like, man, I don't want to pray for this headache because there's someone that's got cancer that needs cured, like God can't take care of both of them. The truth is, God can handle everything that you ask him for. <clears throat> truth is, if anything that you ask according to God's will, he is going to take care of it. How, how do you know if it's God's will? Is it in line with the Word of God? Simple litmus test. If you're praying for somebody to get healed, that's God's will. God's will is for people to get healed. If you're praying for people to get saved, that's God's will. God's will is for people to get saved. If you're praying for something sinful, God doesn't like sin. Not God's will? Probably not going to get it. Well, you're not going to get it. At least not from God. You might get it from somebody else, and you think that you're you're doing all right, but the truth is, is that uh, the blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow to it. If you get something that you think is blessing, but it's causing you all kinds of pain. It's it's not from God. You know, it's like when we, there's many times people are praying for for a better job or finances or all these things, and the only reason they're praying for these things is because they want a a bigger house or they want a summer house or they want a boat or, or a motorcycle or whatever it is. And they're wondering why God's not giving it to them. It's because it's their attitude of heart. I believe that God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. But if you're praying for a better job so that you can be more effective at reaching the lost, if you can be a more generous person, if you can be more helpful, if you can... The fact of the matter is we need money. We live in a world where, where we need money to do the things that God wants us to do. To have a building, to turn on the electric, to turn on the lights, it all costs money. To do the stuff like we did last night, that costs money. You know, we probably spent Somewhere between, if I had to guess, 500 to to $1,000 to do that. To make sure that we could be a blessing to the community. It costs money. But you know what? If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. As long as our, 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 our attitude is in the right place. If it's according to the will of God. I want you to know that if you're wanting better finances to reach the lost, that's according to the will of God. If you want better finances so that you can have a summer home, maybe not so much. But the good news is, if you'll seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, he'll add all these things to you. If you'll put God for you, God does not oppose to you having a summer home. God's not opposed to you having a nicer house. As long as your attitude is in the right place, your heart's in the right place. Amen? All right. You guys got me off track again. Judges 16, 28 through 30. So we're going to take a look at a few stories now of, of the, the power of prayer that we're going to see in the Scriptures. Judges sixteen twenty eight through 30 it says, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once. O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them and his right hand on, on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the, de- so the dead whom he killed on his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Samson had gone through some rough stuff. His mom prayed for him, he was going to be a, a Nazarene, never going to cut his hair, he can't touch wine, you know, the, the whole works. He's going to be, and we know the story, right? He grows up, he's super strong, he does all these amazing things. But then he starts messing up. First thing that he does is, and, and this is argued if this was, this was a, a mess up on his part or not, but he wants a wife with the Philistines. And we read in the scripture that God's going to use that to, to have his way with the Philistines. Because the Philistines are oppressing the Jewish people at this point. That's, that's why this ultimately happens. That's why all these Philistines died is because God is protecting his people. But anyway, Samson wants a wife from the Philistines. And obviously they're not Jewish, so there's a problem there. And then he, he goes out to head out to, to meet his wife, and he kills the lion. Remember, he kills the lion with his bare hands, and he leaves it for dead dead in the vineyard. Why he was in a vineyard, I don't know. He's not supposed to be near wine and all that stuff. But he's in the vineyard, and he, he kills the lion. And then he comes back, and he sees honey in the carcass of the lion. So then he eats the honey, right? But he's, he's a Jew, and if you know that according to the law, they can't touch anything dead. So, I mean, he's just tick mark after tick mark of dumb stuff he's doing. Then he goes and gets gets messed up with a prostitute in Gaza, and then finally he meets Delilah, Delilah, whom he doesn't marry either. He just loves her, and and we all know that story, right? He ends up telling her what's going on, and does anybody not get that? I mean, after the first couple times, you would think something was going on, but nope, he keeps telling her something else, something else. Anyway, he gets he, he tells her his secret. She cuts his hair. They bind him up, and and they, they gouge out his eyes. Now he done messed up a lot, and and. Even through all that, God heard his prayer. I want you to know that there's nothing that you can do that God won't still be at the door, knocking, waiting for you to open it. Even if you mess up as bad as old Samson here, when you cry out to God again, he will be there listening. And in this case, God strengthened him again, and he he struck a great blow against the Philistines, which began to liberate the Jews at that time. Amen? And what about Jesus and Lazarus? And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. God honors, or Jesus honors God in prayer before he commands Lazarus to rise. That's the first thing he does is he begins to pray. And he begins to honor God and to glorify God and says, and says Father, I thank you that you, you always hear me. And I know that you hear me, but I'm saying this out loud. I'm praying this out loud so that they can all hear that you hear me. that I know that I'm, that I'm with you, that I have the authority you've given to me. He prays out loud so that they could see the authority of God in him. But you know what's interesting when he prays? He doesn't say, God, pretty please, God, could you raise Lazarus from the dead? Oh, please, 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 God, raise Lazarus from the dead. He doesn't do that. He he honors God. He worships God. He gives him the glory that he deserves. And then he turns to Lazarus and says, get up. Raise up from the dead. You know, his prayer was to God to glorify him. His eyes were on God. His authority was from God. I tell you what. Jesus was a man just like us when he was on the earth. He was 100% God, 100% man. He was operating as a man. Jesus didn't have the power to raise people from the dead in and of himself as a man. But he put his eyes on God and the Holy Spirit working through him rose Lazarus from the dead at his word because he trusted God. And I think this is a pattern that we should follow as well. Begin to thank God for his work in our lives and praise him and give him glory and then speak to our mountains. Raise our own dead. Peter and Tabitha. So we look at this story again. Acts 9, 36-41 it says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. What a name that would be, huh? And she was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room and since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples hearing that Peter was there sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with him. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up, then then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. We see a similar pattern here that Jesus just did with Lazarus. What does it say he does when he starts? It says when he arrives, he took him to the upper room, and uh, all the widows stood beside him. And then gets down here, Peter sent them all outside, and he knelt down and prayed. He began to pray. And I don't believe he was saying, Oh, Lord, please raise Tabitha from the dead. Oh, Lord, please make her better. I believe he was kneeling down and began to worship God, thanking him for his power, recognizing his glory, his power, his ability to do anything There's no limit. He began to pray and honor God. His eyes were on God, and he received his authority from God, and then he turns to Tabitha, and he says, Arise. And she she rises. You know, we don't see many amazing miracles like this very often. I've I've heard of very few reports of of people being risen from the dead, although there are a few where people begin praying for people, and they have rose from the dead. And you don't see, I don't think I know of any reports of limbs being grown back or anything like that. But I think most of it's because we don't have the boldness to just do it. How many of you would be willing to stand and, and command somebody to rise from the dead? That takes a bit of boldness. That takes a bit of faith. I have to admit, that would be tough. But I think the reason we don't see it is because, you know, we, we're so distant from the supernatural power of God and the effectiveness of God when we, when we pray in faith to see what He would do. But I believe that if we'll begin to pray with boldness, and stop worrying about the problem. You know what? There is no problem too big for God. But let's just pray, trust Him. And we see it time and time in the Scripture when, when people pray with faith, amazing things happen. Look at Elijah. Remember, we just read. We talked about Elijah briefly. Elijah, this is first Kings eighteen, forty one through forty four. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And when he went up and he looked and said, There is nothing, and he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is raising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariots, and go down, lest. The rain stop you. So you remember that Elijah had already prayed that there'd be no rain for three years, and it was for three years and six months. No rain, nothing, not a dry as bone. And then he begins to pray again. Now he's praying for rain. This is a guy who trusted God. I mean he prayed for no rain, and no rain came. How many of you would pray for something like that? That's a tough one. That's kind of like praying for someone to be raised from the dead. That's a that's a big thing. But you know what? There is nothing too big for God. And like we read earlier, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah was no different than you or I, except for he was fully convinced of what God could do. Some of us aren't. And I find interesting in this story is he began to pray for the, for the, the rain to come, and he says he sends a servant to go, look, is there anything yet? He says, no, there's nothing. And Elijah does hmm, go, God's not answering this one. We'll just hang it up and call it a day. No, he keeps praying. He keeps trusting God. Seven times he sent a servant back. And finally, he sees a cloud way in the distance, the size of a man's hand. And what does he say? He says, all right, here it comes. Get up, go tell the air, prepare your chariot to go down, lest the rain stop you. And the servant's like, you seeing the same thing I'm seeing? I mean, that cloud, it's tiny. There's not a storm coming in that. That probably won't even make it here. It's going to dry up. But he says, No. Get going, it's about to get crazy up in here. It's about to get, it's going to be like on Friday when there was water everywhere and all my signs got blown down. And he says, get up and go. You know, so many times we pray for stuff and if it doesn't happen right away, it gives up or we begin to see something happening and it just looks like a tiny little cloud. And we're like, well, that's not worth, that's not worth it. And we give up. You know, we need to stop giving up when we pray and continue to trust God because God will do amazing things. Instead, let's move forward in faith instead of giving up in desperation when our miracle is on its way. Amen? And we're going to go ahead and end here this morning. Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like I said, prayer is powerful. And we need to stop being anxious about stuff, stop worrying about stuff. Instead, start giving stuff to God. Scripture says, Don't be anxious about anything, but instead in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. If we will talk to God, if we will let him know what's going on, if we will honor him in our prayer and honor his glory and power and operate in his authority and will speak to our mountains, then I think we're going to see the true power of God in our lives. And I think there are so many things that God can and will and wants to do in our lives if we would just stop limiting His ability to work by our lack of faith and our lack of trust in Him. If we stop limiting our idea about what is possible by our own experience. I've never seen anybody raised from the dead, so that must not happen anymore. That's nonsense. God's the same today, tomorrow, yesterday, always. If God would raise the dead 2,000 years ago, He can do it now. And I believe that if we'll trust Him and have the boldness to pray for the impossible things, we're going to see the impossible happen. We're going to see bondage being broken. We're going to see relationships being restored. We're going to see hardened hearts soften to receive Christ. Those who used to think the cross was foolishness will now realize that it's the power to save. We'll see cancer being cured. We'll see sight being restored. We'll see those limbs grow back. And I believe that we could even see the dead being raised if we would just trust and pray. So I would challenge you, church, let's be a people who prays powerfully with an expectation of the incredible power of God. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.